0: You're listening to InfoTrack. To learn more about our guests or listen to past shows, visit InfoTrack online at InfoTrackRadio.com. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. When measuring environmental benefits, what are the best kinds of renewable energy? An expert has the answer. Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco.
1: Gina? Thanks, Chris. Solar power installations, whether residential, commercial, or municipal, keep cropping up around the country, and individual landowners typically decide where these will be placed. But now, North Carolina State University researchers say there may be a better and important way of deciding locations. Harrison Fell, an associate professor of energy economics at the school, co-authored a recent study on this, and he joins us now. Professor, before we dive into the details of the study, there are, of course, different types of energy that fall into renewable energy, such as solar, wind, geothermal, biofuels like ethanol. Which of these did you study, and why those in particular?
0: We studied utility-scale wind and solar Energy. We looked at those two because of the data that recently became available from the Energy Information Administration that provided regional hourly actual outputs of generation from those sources.
1: Now, your study looked to quantify the environmental benefits of renewable energy. Are they the same no matter where an installation is located, or is there a difference?
0: There's differences both across the renewable generation type, solar and wind. And there's quite considerable regional differences as well in terms of the emissions avoided from additional wind and solar generation.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about why that
0: would be? There's several different reasons for that. The biggest is that the generation mix is different in different regions. So, for example, in the Midwest, it's still relatively coal heavy, whereas if you went out to California, the fossil generation source is almost exclusively natural gas. And of course, there are more emissions associated with coal generation. And so if you're producing more renewable generation in the Midwest, you're going to offset more coal generation, which is going to provide more environmental benefits. The other thing to consider here as we think about differences across solar and wind is that we get generation from those sources at different periods. Obviously, with solar, we get solar generation when it's sunny outside. With wind generation, we tend to get more generation in the middle of night hours, and that affects what it offsets as well.
1: Did your study conclude that a regional approach to placing power generation facilities might produce even more environmental benefits than a state-by-state approach?
0: Yeah, I think that is one takeaway one could get from this. I would say a sort of more national approach to thinking about where we site these different types of renewable generators is probably the best way to get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of the environmental value. Another thing to consider when you're thinking about these is that the environmental value of placing a renewable generator in one region may leak into another region if there's trade of energy across those regions. So, for example, in the west, across the northwest, California, and southwest, there's considerable amount of energy trade. And so some of the environmental benefits of, say, placing a solar farm in the southwest is via reducing natural gas generation in California. And it's important, again, to think about those from a more national standpoint than just a state-by-state standpoint.
1: We're visiting with Harrison Fell, an associate professor of energy economics at North Carolina State University. Their recent study looked at getting the most environmental benefits from renewable energy. Professor, are there technological or even cost barriers to municipalities using renewable energy sources? For example, can cities store
0: power in batteries? Well, the storage costs have come down considerably in the last few years, but storage is still relatively expensive. Another thing to consider is that the renewable rich regions are often not Right next to large demand centers. So, for example, in the U.S., it's extremely windy across the mid-continent, and that's a relatively sparsely populated region. And so another big angle there is that we'd have to transmit a lot of that power to our bigger demand centers. So if you're in, say, Houston and you want power from West Texas, you're going to have to have quite a bit of transmission to get that power over there, and that's going to require a lot of regional planning. And that sort of limits the ability of ultra-regional governance to fully capture the benefits of renewable power.
1: Our listeners may wonder if renewable energy sources might not provide steady service all the time. So tell us about the technologies that keep service steady rather than intermittent.
0: Yeah, so without significant energy storage. You're correct that we obviously are not going to get solar generation 24 hours a day. And similarly, wind generation, as I mentioned earlier, tends to be a little bit higher at night and lower during the middle of the day. And so if we want to have a completely carbon-free, emissions-free grid, we would have to have additional storage or employ other renewable energy technologies like hydro. And right now, a lot of that balancing is somewhat done with storage, somewhat done with hydro, but a lot of it is done with natural gas generators, which are able to turn on and off relatively quickly. And so they can fill those gaps when we go from states of high renewable energy to states of low renewable energy and the demand stays roughly constant.
1: Is it a myth that solar can only work in the so called sunny states like Arizona or Florida and not in areas less known for sunshine like the upper Midwest?
0: Well, certainly they are more productive. In areas like the southwest or the southeast, certain areas of the southeast, of course, there's a lot of trees in the southeast, too, which affect the shade, can affect the use of it. I mean, they're less effective in the northwest, obviously, because it's just not as sunny in those areas. But there is considerable solar installations in particularly the northwest, and it is producing power. So you can. It's just a question of how productive the resource is. And wind is the same way. It's not windy in the southeast. We don't have very many wind generators, wind farms in the southeast. It's extremely windy across the mid-continent, and that's where a lot of our wind generation comes from.
1: Professor, there seems to be a little disagreement as to whether nuclear power is considered renewable.
0: Do you consider it? Well, it's technically not renewable in the sense that it requires mining of a, a non-renewable resource, but it is certainly emissions-free in the sense of we don't get carbon or other emissions like sulfur dioxide and nitrous oxides that we think of as being sort of pollutants that are causing health and environmental damages. So yeah, I mean, it definitely is a an emissions-free source in terms of our criterion pollutants, but obviously it comes with other risks.
1: And I was just going to ask you about that. Nuclear power has been touted as a clean energy. Is it losing favor, though, either because of cost or safety?
0: Certainly the costs are not in its favor. It's very expensive to build a big new nuclear energy plant. And you combine that with very low natural gas prices that we have in the U.S. right now and falling costs for solar and wind, which is creating expansion of those low marginal cost generators. And what that does altogether is suppress the price of electricity. And so if you have to cover the cost of building a very expensive nuclear generating plant, that's going to be hard to do in the sort of low natural gas price, high solar, high wind environment that we're at right now.
1: Harrison Fell, an associate professor of energy economics at North Carolina State University. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco.
0: You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.